Lord be with you. And also with you. The Almighty God lives as three in one and one in three and forever reigns in the perfect unity of love. We welcome you to this service of ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Upon this Trinity Sunday, we worship in the spirit of Charles Wesley, who wrote, Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combine, truth and love for all to see. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given to us, your servants, grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith and worship and bring us at last to see you in your one and eternal glory, O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, beloved children of God, each of us is a child of the living God. Upon this Trinity Sunday, we might celebrate our varieties of religious experience. Some of us are more first-person people, attuned to God the Creator and to the wonder and fallenness of creation. Some of us are more second-person people, attuned to God the Redeemer, to Christ Jesus and Him crucified and in Him eternal life. Some of us are more third-person people, attuned to God the Sustainer, whose sweet spirit we probe this morning. So varied, we need each other to balance and encourage, to fill out and challenge, to watch over one another in love. We need community. And to live in community, we need forgiveness. Three and two and one, all of us together, may we offer our prayer of confession in silence as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie. Have no anxiety about anything, but in all things, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, lift your needs to God. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it, and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. So then, brothers and sisters, 
We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 29 with the Antiphon. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Scripture and tradition depend on reason and experience. Spirit involves reason and experience. A question for you day by day as mortality approaches is whether you can find the courage to trust your own experience and whether you can find the capacity to rely on your own reason. Opportunities to subcontract both are amply available. But in order to live a life that is yours, not almost yours, spirit, sweet spirit, is needed. We feel a measure of this spirit every year at Boston University's commencement, especially in one of the latest and very smallest of graduation exercises each year. Monday last week, May 18th, was a gracious, sun-kissed, beautiful Boston day. The morning was cool and bright, gracious and breezy, with more than a hint of salt in the sea air. Gracious and salty, as the Bible says, your speech ought to be. Let your speech be gracious, yet seasoned with salt. Nineteen young women and men stood up in Faneuil Hall here in Boston, the cradle of liberty. They stood to take a vow and to make an oath. And though their numbers and their simple ceremony were not as large as the great winds of pageantry on Nickerson Field, or traditional liturgy in Marsh Chapel, or hood and handshaking in the 17 schools and colleges in the days preceding. There is something in this spirited moment, small and modest, that takes the measure of all the others. As if with these 19, the question is posed for all the rest, whether what we are doing is worthy and worthy of these few. With their loved ones all around, they promise to preserve and protect the Constitution of the United States, if need be, with their very lives. In the quiet, among family and friends, there are waves of emotion, waves of tears, waves like those lapping at the shoreline just a few hundred feet away. With reason and in their experience, they are bearing witness to a hard decision, and so tears easily flow. Different are the languages of prayer, but the tears are all the same, so Abraham Heschel. Every year, this is the smallest but the finest moment in all the graduation ceremonies at Boston University. Stumbling in tears and emotion, loved ones place shoulder boards upon the newly minted Army second lieutenants. It is awkward to figure out how to button these shoulder boards, but the fumbling is more about water and eyes, and a spirit moment. Water and spirit. And then the photos of the 19, male and female, tall and short, black and white, gay and straight. It is an induction utterly and fully inclusive, and a prayer and a song and a salute, and it is beautiful, and it is powerful. Nicodemus finds himself at night in such a spirited moment. The Jesus of John counsels Nicodemus to be born of spirit and water, to be born from above, to be like the wind. 
Wind at midnight, wind from the sea, summer wind blowing in. The wind blows where it wills, the wind of God. Nicodemus appears two other times in the fourth gospel, two tantalizing entries into the flow of the narrative. He is there to remind us of our ongoing growth in spirit. Our understanding of Jesus' teaching with Nicodemus, his later appearances remind us, requires the whole gospel, especially when it comes to spirit, strange spirit, John's spirit, night spirit, sweet spirit. The strangest of strange outcroppings of spirit in all of scripture is located in John on the windswept step of John 14, the ice-covered snow peak of the Bible, the haunted moonscape of planet gospel. Once you have ascended John to the last discourse, John 14 and following, you are clearly in a strange, strange land and landscape. The venerable preacher who originally spoke to the late first century community in Ephesus say, if nothing else, had absolute confidence in his own experience. It led him, and thus his church, to establish what we we might simply call a different religion, what became later emerging Christianity. He did not let the door hit him as he swung out. So here, Nicodemus, here, Samaritan woman, here, blind man healed, here, Lazarus raised, here, beloved disciple, here, Thomas, here, Logos, here, spirit by another name. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John had the courage to face the awful disappointment behind the New Testament. Jesus did not return, not on schedule, not as expected, not soon and very soon, not Maranatha, not yet. So John looked at his own experience, and in biblical measure, with traditional tools, he reasoned. And in place of apocalypse, he celebrated the artistry of the everyday. And in place of speculation about the end, he celebrated the spirit of truth. And in the place of parousia, the coming of the Lord, he nominated paraclete, the presence of the Lord. And he sang, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. One way to solve problems is to face them, to name them to admit them, no parousia, paraclete. The stark strangeness, the utter difference of John from the rest of the Bible, we have yet to admit. My beloved advisor, perhaps the greatest John scholar of our era, Father Raymond Brown, got only as far as saying that John is best understood as an embraceable variant, his emphasis on embraceable with less emphasis on variant. But when we get to the summit, John 14 and following, we see chiseled there in ice and covered fully with wind and snow 
an enigmatic, mysterious riddle. Spirit, sweet spirit, paraclete, counselor, advocate, the endless enemy of conformity, the lasting foe of the nearly lived life, the champion of the quixotic, the standard bearer of liberty, the one true spirit of spirited truth. Yet we cannot even give the history of the term, nor fully define its meaning, nor aptly place it in its context, nor finally determine its translation. Paraclete spirit eludes us, evades us, outpaces us, escapes us. Notice that the spirit is given to all, not just to a few or to the twelve, definitely not. Notice that the spirit is not struct- that it is the spirit, not structure, on which John relies. Notice it is spirit, not memory, which we shall trust. Good news for any whose memory may slip a little. Notice that spirit stands over against what John calls world here, another dark mystery in meaning. Notice that the community around John's Jesus is amply conveyed a powerful trust in spirit. Other parts of the New Testament take another trail. The book of Acts offers confidence by way of hagiographical memories of Peter and Paul and of false but loving assertions of the utter agreement of Peter and Paul. Trust your memory and when you cannot, create a new one. The pastoral epistles and to some degree 1 John in opposition to his gospel namesake rely not on memory or memories and not on spirit, but on structure, presbyters, faith once delivered to saints, deacons, codes of conduct, stylized memories of orderly transmission of tradition. We need memory, and we need tradition, and we need structure, but none can hold a candle to spirit That is, for John, what Moses, the law, the historical Jesus, the sacraments, or any other cannot ever offer. Paraclete spirit does. By spirit, we hear the word of God. God reveals by spirit. God self-reveals by spirit. And here the stakes are extremely high. Again, Raymond Brown. This is the ultimate self-revelation of how the Word of God gets translated as God to a community living in time and space. The Spirit of Jesus is proving the world wrong. How? By people who live by the Spirit. That's the only way others will be convinced of Jesus' victory. When we come to Nicodemus, we come with our own reason and our own experience, like that of the great poet Henry Vaughan. Vaughan lived from 1622 to 1695. He fought on the royalist side during the Great War. Vaughan is known as one of the best followers and imitators of George Herbert. In 1649, Charles I executed Oliver Cromwell. The Church of England was disestablished, and the Book of Common Prayer was outlawed. Vaughan lived during a dark time, and his poetry evokes his time. He recalls the great Pseudo-Dionysus and the cloud of unknowing. He celebrates night and the darkness of God in a way that connects truly to our time 
and perhaps as well to you. It is no accident that he bases his great poem on Nicodemus at night. Through that pure virgin shrine, that sacred veil drawn o'er the glorious noon, that men might look and live as glowworms shine and face the moon, wise Nicodemus saw such light as made him know his God by night. Most blessed believer he, who in that land of darkness and blind eyes, thy long-expected healing wings could see when thou didst rise, and what can never more be done did at midnight speak with the sun. Oh, who will tell me where he found thee at that dead and silent hour? What hallowed solitary ground did bear so rare a flower? within whose sacred leaves did live the fullness of the deity. No mercy seat of gold, no dead and dusty cherub, nor carved stone, but his own living works did my Lord hold and lodge alone, where trees and herbs did watch and peep and wonder while the Jews did sleep. Dear night, this world's defeat the stop to busy fools, care's check and curb, the day of spirits, my soul's calm retreat, which none disturb, Christ's progress and his prayer time, the hours to which high heaven doth chime. God's silent searching flight, when my Lord's head is filled with dew and all his locks are wet, with the clear drops of night, his still soft call, his knocking time, the soul's dumb watch, when spirits their fair kindred catch. Were all my loud, evil days, calm and unhaunted as is thy dark tent, whose peace but by some angel's wing or voice is seldom rent, then I in heaven all the long year would keep and never wander here. But living where the sun doth all things wake and where all mix and tire themselves and others, I consent and run to every mire and by this world's guiding light err more than I can do at night. There is in God, some say, a deep but dazzling darkness. As men here say it is late and dusky because they see not all clear. Oh, for that night where I and him might live invisible and dim. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Amen. Each Sunday, we take a few moments to come together as a community of prayer. 
I, I invite you to assume a posture of prayer that is most com comfortable to you, be that sitting, standing, or kneeling at the altar rail as our choir leads us in our call to prayer. conclude each petition with God of love and mercy, you may respond with hear our prayer. Gracious God, you are our divine companion, our pulsing spirit, and our steadfast friend. Hear the prayers on our hearts, both spoken and unspoken, this morning. We pray for the earth as the seasons change from spring to summer. May rain nourish her fields, and the sunlight grow strong her trees. And may we all recognize the wonder and beauty of the earth we're surrounded by each day. God of love and mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our world, full of strife and turmoil. We are plagued by racism, sexism, poverty, and war. May you remind us of our sisterhood and brotherhood with each other and guide us in ways of compassion instead of competition. God of love and mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our community, for those lost, depressed, anxious, homeless, incarcerated, overworked, and ill. May you provide them with courage and provide us with the tools to reach out in love and care to the aching world around us. God of love and mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the new life that spring and summer bring, for weddings, reunions, new births, newfound joys, and vacation. May each person find rest and renewal in you during these sunnier days. God of love and mercy, hear our prayer. All these prayers and many more we lift up to you, O God, with our praise and affection. We come together now to pray in the way Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. Next Sunday will be a Communion Sunday and also our monthly potluck luncheon following. We hope that to see you here once again next Sunday and that you will bring a dish to pass as well. All of our upcoming services and activities, including the upcoming National Summer Preacher Series, are available on our website, bu.edu chapel, along with the opportunity for online giving. During these summer months, our spirit is sustained by your spirit and your sustaining gifts among us. As the choir sings the Sanctus from Durafle's Requiem and the ushers wait upon us, we invite your meditation. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Blessed are you, O God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts, ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Use us and what we have gathered in feeding the world with your love through the one who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen.